You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. Breaking news out of Charlotte. The Hornets have fired head coach Steve Clifford. I'm Doug Branson. I cover the Hornets for FanRagSports.com. I'm joined by my co-host, David Walker. He's been covering the Hornets since they were the Bobcats for AtTheHive.com. We are your host of Locked On Hornets, a daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast, just search for Locked On Hornets and follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Uh, Clifford had one year remaining on his contract, but after meeting with him today, the Hornets have decided to move on without him. Clifford leaves after five seasons, finishing with a 48% win percentage. He guided the Hornets to two playoff appearances, one in 2013-14, that was his first season, and another in 2015-16, that was two seasons ago. David, he could not get Charlotte out of the first round, and the Hornets just wrapped a second straight disappointing season after spending a lot of money on this current roster. It's hard for me to call this one a surprise, David, but why, I guess the first question we should answer is why did this happen today? Well, you know, they had to get out in front of this thing as far as timing goes. You've seen the recent coaching vacancies and and spots coming up and available. So I think they had to kind of get the ball rolling on this. But I think you hit on it earlier, Doug. It happened because of the lack of success overall, the lack of success in the playoffs, and just the general, um, you know, kind of malaise around the end of this season and this team. Uh, A a shakeup was inevitable. It started with Rich Cho. I was, I would have been surprised had this happened when that happened. I thought he was going to remain safe, Clifford, that is. But the more this season wore on, the more it became apparent that there was a, 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 a the winds of change were blowing and uh, he was probably going to be the next guy to go. Steve Clifford at his end of season press conference said that the team lacked a, quote, spirit uh, this season that they have had in previous years uh, that he's been head coach. And I think certainly you could say that for this team defensively, that in the offseason tried to add some talent in Dwight Howard to help uh, that team defense, and the defense actually got worse uh, under Coach Clifford this season, a coach that is known for his defensive prowess. So I think that goes uh, to some of what you were talking about, David, and you've mentioned that on previous podcasts as well. And also, you have to understand that you have a new general manager in Mitch Kupchak, who is, you know, somebody who's been around the league for a long time, has a lot of clout, and and is certainly, I think, someone that you could say uh, would uh, be, I guess, more willing to 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 have his own guy installed, you know, to to bring his own regime and and move this franchise in the direction uh, that he feels is best, and uh, finally. You said this as well. A lot of good head coaching candidates available right now in uh, Jay Wright, David Fisdale, Jerry Stackhouse, and and some of the lesser-known names, assistants for teams like San Antonio and Toronto. You're going to be hearing those names a lot over the next few weeks as the Hornets go out and search uh, for a new candidate. Uh, David, 
We'll get to those new candidates and what we think about where they could possibly look in just a moment. Also, we've got to read your tweets. Uh, you can tweet us on Twitter at Locked on Hornets. We're going to get to those in just a moment. But first, I want to ask this. Is this any indication, because there's a lot of speculation on Twitter about what this decision means for the future of the Charlotte Hornets. Is this any indication as to what you think Kupchak has planned for the future of the Hornets in terms of rebuild versus staying the course next season? Yeah, well, look back how he spoke regarding Clifford and then how he spoke about Kimball Walker in that opening press conference, right? Um, it was much more definitive, I guess, if you want to look at it that way, around Kimba saying, I don't know why you wouldn't want to keep a guy like him here. Um, I'm paraphrasing that. But, you know, he he seemed to speak more t- towards keeping Kimba here, or any, at least initially, and was much more noncommittal when talking about Steve Clifford. Again, that press conference was what it was. <laughs> but so we don't want to read too much into that. But I, I mean, if you're trying to read the tea leaves on this one, I think they, you know, there's still some discussion to be had and they're going to look at everything. I don't know. I mean, there's, there's a rebuild of some sort coming on. There's changes coming about how soon that all falls into place and like what other major changes they may make. Um, you know, they might, they may not be in total control of all those either, Doug. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. Frank's off Twitter or whatever, and and Nick. Batum He's playing well. Every okay, <laughs> that's it. Ban everybody off Twitter. Everybody, everybody off social media. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. It's tough to say this definitively says anything about next season because of all the complexities that lie ahead. For Mitch Kupchak, I think all it definitively says is that Kupchak and and the rest of this organization did not see the future of of this franchise involving Steve Clifford. Uh, now we know that a lot of players in that locker room were big fans of Steve Clifford. Kimball Walker, huge fan of Steve Clifford, he's coming up on needing to be re-signed uh, after next season. Marvin Williams is a huge fan of Steve Clifford. Nick Batum is a f- huge fan of Steve Clifford. And, and I think that all of these players are professionals. The, if, if they were to stay with the organization, uh, they would play for, for whatever coach that the Hornets uh, in, end up choosing. Uh, but at the same time, these are also, I think, uh, in terms of Williams and Kemba and Batum, these are all very Clifford-like players. So there's no guarantee uh, that this organization sees a future with those players as well. Uh, just a lot lies ahead for them. But I don't, I don't know if it necessarily signals an immediate rebuild next season because, as you said, they might not have a lot of control over that. But I think it does signal that you, know, you, you fire the general manager and now you fire the coach. You're, you're moving this into a new era. Now, how quickly that new era resembles playoff basketball? Well, that's the interesting question, right? Is how quickly yeah. how quickly they want to do they want to do another short one to two year teardown and and try to make some trades to get back into the playoffs? Do they want to move to do that immediately? Uh, we'll we'll see. I think in this new hire, uh, what what they want to do? Do they go with someone younger, less experienced, 
and and one of these assistants from maybe a San Antonio or a Toronto, or do they look for someone who has playoff head coaching experience already? That could give us at least some hints about what they want to do, but we'd have to wait until you know they they made that hire. But back to Steve yeah. Clifford, uh, David, do you feel like that? You know, you you go back to those comments that he made about the team losing spirit. Now we know that he had his supporters in the locker room, but do you think that his style of play was was his ability to get them to play the way that that he did in previous years had faded away somewhat? Yeah, I just think it's taxing. I mean, mentally and physically to play that style of of defense, I think and on one hand is a tough thing to keep going. I mean, and it's not just Steve Clifford. I think you have a tough time, you know, laying those laws down over the course of five, six, seven years and having them stick with the same exact groups. And for those, for those who have, for those who haven't been paying close attention, let's lay that style out real quick. So it's, it's getting back on transition constantly. It's protecting the rim at all costs. That's what it is defensively. It's it's not taking a lot of risky passes. It's really controlling the basketball, not turning it not turning it over, and uh, being a little bit, I think, fair to say, conservative with your play. And, and those those things are interesting when you compare that to what Kupchak talked about in terms of the style of play he'd like to see. There were some similarities, but there was one thing that Kupchak said that sort of hinted to me that this was coming today, and that's that he wanted to see a higher pace, more up-and-down play. And, and and you saw that in Los Angeles when he was rebuilding that team right before he left, before he was uh, removed from Los Angeles. That's the style of play that L.A. was playing. A lot of young players, a lot of getting up and down, high turnover. That's not necessarily that, – that didn't really mesh with what we knew about the style of play that Steve Clifford – wanted to play. So that started to give me hints. That's why I say yeah. I wasn't surprised by necessarily by what happened today. Yeah. And Doug, think about the teams that have to do those things. And they, and when I say they have to do them, like if they don't do them, they aren't going to win. You know, this is not a team like the Warriors who do those things anyway, but also have, you know, four or five get out of jail free cards, right. With guys who can just explode and change the game within a quarter by themselves. The Hornets don't have that. So when they don't do those principles, when they don't stick to those fundamental things each and every night, literally like almost on every play, you'd hear it after the game from Steve Clifford. If they don't do those things, they're going to have a very tough time winning, it, you know, especially if Kemba doesn't give you what he has to give you every night. Like they're not alone in that, but that's just how this team was built. You hear a lot of that from, you know, um, uh, 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 Thibodeau as well in Minnesota and, and, and a Van Gundy team as well in Detroit, like those principles are laid down and they have to be followed. And when they're not, it, it doesn't end up well. So that's just how the, the Hornets were laid out. Uh, a lot of this was kind of out of Clifford's control in that it yeah. was roster construction was a big challenge. That's the unfair, um, that's the unfair part of yeah. this, right? So you can, I, I think you can appreciate the kind of coach that Clifford is and also understand that this roster may not have been best suited for the for the style of play that he wanted to institute that roster unless they can make some some really savvy trades is not going to change next year and if it does change more likely than not it's going to change 
uh, away from the style of play that that Clifford wanted to install in terms of the the team was going the team is could get younger it could get less experienced it it could go into a rebuilding mode and we've asked this question a lot on this show is Clifford the right coach to oversee a rebuild or is he the kind of coach that is more suited to take a veteran roster of a playoff ready roster that has maybe a superstar that he was used to coaching in Houston and Los Angeles and Orlando when he was with Dwight Prime. Like, is that the kind of team that would be better suited for Steve Clifford? And is that the kind of team that the Hornets see themselves having the next two or three seasons? That I think was ultimately the question that was answered today. Uh, when they made the decision to remove Steve Clifford, who we should say. We haven't said this yet. This is the obvious thing that always gets said about people like Steve Clifford who are respected around the league. He's most likely going to find another job. Like there, there are it. teams. If he wants it. <laughs> if he wants it. There are teams out there that will be looking for a head coach and looking to to go out there and find the kind of roster that, that Steve Clifford wants to put together. And when we say that, we're talking about uh, players that can play on both ends of the floor, right? That's where a lot of these problems this season stemmed from. Where there were, and and he addressed this a little bit in his end of year uh, press conference was, you know, they had players on the roster that couldn't guard their guy, and and they right. weren't they weren't producing significantly enough offensively to take away from the fact that they were getting beaten off the dribble time after time, allowing access to the paint from the opposing team's offense which either ended up in an easy basket at the rim or a kick out and a three-point shot. And, yeah. and, 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 and it wasn't just this season. This was, these were ripple effects from signing Marvin Williams and Nick Batum to long-term deals and, and those deals not looking so great right now. It's the ripple effect of, of trading for Miles Plumley and then having to rectify that by trading for Dwight Howard. These things happened, it's sort of like uh, C, A led to B, led to C, and none of those were necessarily completely in Steve Clifford's control. So just adding some context to the situation that we find ourselves in today. Um, that's going to be my biggest disappointment from Steve Clifford's time here. Not in him, but just that he couldn't get a few more Kimball Walkers on the lineup, you know, a few more guys that could be offensively explosive and a few more three and D guys, a few more two way guys that you need in, in the game today. You know, you see so many with Boston and you see good teams that have interchangeable pieces. And um, I'm just, I wish he would have gotten a few more of those to play with. Maybe he'll get those in his next spot. Cause think about those first teams he came in and turned into some of the best defensive teams in the league with the likes of Josh McRoberts and Al Jefferson, you know, manning the back line there, turning those guys into solid team defensive players. I mean, that was that was impressive. <laughs> so he made a believer out of me way back when, you know, and what he could do when he had guys buying in and and doing what he wanted to have done on the court uh, from a defensive standpoint. And David, that's my issue when I read certain articles or tweets that refer to Steve Clifford's style of of coaching and the style of play that he wanted to see as sort of archaic. Because I feel like part of it is Clifford installed 
Well, there's certain non-negotiables, certain principles that that he would install with any team, and then are then I think there are adjustments that he made to coaching a team that never had a legitimate superstar. Like Kimba, Kimba did some ama- is doing some amazing things and continues to grow, but he's not a superstar. He, you know, he would be the second to third best player on most of the contending teams this year in in the NBA, right? Mm-hmm. And and he had to be your num- he has to be your number one player for the Charlotte Hornets. And there are limitations to what they could do with him because of his size. Teams were able to take him out of games for a variety of reasons. And it, it, I think it just would have been interesting to see what style of what style of play he would have in, installed if they had a James Harden level player. If they had a Steph Curry level shooter. If they had a Donovan Mitchell level playmaker. Oh God, I just said. <laughs> well, heck, you know, if they and he been was, able to, I, and I think, I think, I think it's. I don't think it would be too big of a leap to think that he was would have would have wanted a a Donovan Mitchell type of player on this he roster. Was, he was Team Mitchell for sure on, on draft night. I mean, look, had they been able to reel in Gordon Hayward, had they been able to turn anything out of Lance Stevenson, had they been able to, I guess maybe maybe they would have had to become the Indiana Hornets. For that to happen, because that's apparently the only place that Lance can really make a make a positive impact. But um, yeah, that's going to be the big what if here, right? And like I said, I hope in his next stop, whenever that is, he maybe he gets a few more of those pieces because it'll be interesting to see what he can do. Because like you said, man, you talk at like at NBA circles, NBA Twitter insiders, like he's pretty high regarded. And and I think two things can be true in this scenario, Doug. You know, we've watched this team. Every game for the last five years, the entire Steve Clifford we did. slash Rich Joe tenure. Okay. And we've talked about him. We all, started, in times. fact, we started the podcast when he, his first season. Right. And so when you've watched as much of a product as we have, like I'm at this point right now where I'm okay with things changing because I don't know how it much might not be great. Going. We, we don't know. It might change for the worse before it gets better. And 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 it might not get better, and we'll tell you if that's going to be the case too. But I think that yes, I agree with you. You can you can be a fan of Steve Clifford and also be a fan of the timing of of this particular move. Yeah. Uh, and we'll just have to see what kind of coach they decide to to go with next. Do they go with someone that they feel like uh, is is going to install the kind of a high pace, high octane offense that maybe Mitch Kupchak wants to see in Charlotte, uh, or or did they go with someone who can take a veteran roster that they'll hold on to for next season and and try to get back to the playoffs? We'll have to wait and see on that. Let's go out to Twitter now. Uh, Jeff says uh, he made the most out of Howard. Is Howard gone now too? So yeah, they brought Howard in. Part of that was pairing him with Steve Clifford, his former assistant coach in Orlando. Could this signal Howard's departure? Sure. <laughs> Every, well, like that's we the said, thing. Yeah, everything's up in the air. Yeah, everything's up in the air at this point. I think, yeah, that's the answer there. All right, J-Dog, a longtime listener here uh, tweeting us, I don't like this move, but totally understand the why. Results just were not there the last two years. To me, this feels like a signal to start a rebuild. Will says... I had a feeling this would happen with how he came into the meeting demanding a decision that moment. So he's referring to a tweet by Chris yeah. Mannix, uh, a report from Mannix sources that said that 
basically Clifford wanted this meeting with Kupchak and wanted a decision similar to what we saw with Cho. Cho was he was in the last year of his deal and he went to management and said, "Hey, what's what's the story? Are you are you bringing me back, or is this over?" And uh, similar to that, they said it's over. Uh, let's yeah. see. I hope we can find a quality coach, though we probably will be the second wave of hires. To be honest, a name I'm thinking we land that I haven't heard yet is Jason Kidd. Hey. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey. Jason Kidd, <laughs> I, I really oh, – can we distract Jason Kidd and Byron Scott? Can we keep those two away from their telephones? I'd really <laughs> like if the Hornets could avoid and Mitch Kupchak, no reunion with Byron Scott. That didn't work. Byron Scott is a, is a, is a dinosaur when it comes to – the way the NBA is moving, and if Mitch Kupchak is serious that he loves the way the game is played today and he thinks fans love it and players love it, then Byron Scott needs to be nowhere near this franchise. And uh, I think Jason Kidd brings along some problems as well. Um, yeah. So, But what, what about this idea, David, that they would be the second wave of hires or that yeah. they couldn't attract? Because I think this is probably going to be a, a, a popular opinion that – they're not going to be able to attract the the absolute best coaching hires or or maybe some of the young coaches from a San Antonio or a Toronto because because of Michael Jordan, because of Mitch Kupchak, because of right. what's perceived as a dysfunctional organization, even though I don't I don't I think that's an unfair label. What do you think about that line of thought? Yeah, I do too. I mean, first of all, when you talk about these young guys, for me, I think if you're offering an assistant coach on an NBA team a shot at being a head coach on another NBA team, they're always going to listen. <laughs> That's their dream job. You're offering them millions of dollars to do their dream job. And so you're Yeah, wait, get- hold on, wait, wait a minute, David. So you're telling me <laughs> you're going to give me millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. You're going you to you're going to take the assistant off my label and add a Correct. head on that label. There's yep. only 30 yep. of those jobs, by the way. Right, in the world. There's only 30. Also, the, the greatest player of all time is, is my boss, yep. and that means something to people. Uh, so, okay, yeah, but, but how's your G League development? <laughs> right? Where is Greensboro? Yeah, how's that? that? How's that? Oh, Bill, well, it's, it's not it great. Okay, then I'm not, not going to take the job. No, of course not. <laughs> like, of course not. I know. It's, it's crazy to me. Uh, I mean – you know, I don't know which way they'll go with this, but is this job more or less attractive than when Steve Clifford took it? I mean, it's got to be more attractive, right? I mean, think about when he came in. It was it was pretty low, pretty low on the on the totem pole. So I, I don't know which way they're going to go, but I, I just have a hard time believing no one is going to talk to them. Will they be in the second wave of hires? I mean, who knows? Is it more? Is it? Look, you're not going to beat out New York when you're talking about marquee jobs. Um, and you can say Phoenix. I don't know why anyone was going to choose Orlando uh, other than Disney. Vogel, Vogel. Vogel. We didn't Charlotte. mention Vogel, but that's another right. game that could possibly uh, be right. so they're, on the list. So they're in the mix. They're in the mix now. Uh, and I would you say have the only, established GM. Yeah, I'd say the – well, yes, I think the GM name is is definitely going to help. I think what's going to be interesting, though, David, is is all the uncertainty around this roster – They've really got to figure that out, I would think. Yeah. B- before they bring in a coach, because they, you've you've got to tell that coach like, hey, you're you might be might be coaching a veteran roster, or or but but ultimately we're going to take this thing in a rebuild direction. Whatever you decide, I feel like you have to share that vision with. Or, or if I'm a coach, I'm coming in and I at least I kind of want to know. 
But although that's me assuming, because I thought, you know, I, <laughs> I, after this Mitch Kupchak press that's conference, Mitch I sells it. Don't worry about it. You know, we'll I, I thought I, I thought there's a lot more information that would be gathered in these meetings, but you know, it's these these high profile NBA jobs are they're just they're a different level, I think, of of job. They're not like you know, it's not like. Uh, getting a VP job at an insurance sales company like this it's a whole it's a whole weird different culture and and NBA and, and environment uh, to get a job you are listening to the locked on Hornets podcast here on basketball reference one of the, my favorite things is the nicknames they have listed for people mm-hmm. take a guess at what Zach Collins nickname is uh, the, the big cricket Doug. <laughs> Doug. <laughs> How am I supposed to compete with the big cricket? (laughs) Doesn't make sense. Get more Hornets analysis on LockedOnHornets.com. And also the other other side of that, Doug, is like these young guys, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe they would. I just have a hard time believing they are turning down the experience of going through the interview process to become a head coach because of a perceived bad situation. You know what I mean? Like these guys are going to go do that so that even if they don't get it now, they they've gone through the process and maybe some of them already have, but like, this is, this is how that business works. Like you, you, you get a shot, you, you have to take it. And you know, on some level, now there's going to be several openings. Will they be have to jockey for those positions? Yeah. I mean, I guess they're going to have to sell themselves to some degree, but it's still an NBA head coaching job. And it's a little bit different. I would think if you're talking about, someone who hasn't had a head coaching job before versus like a Larry Brown or a Phil Jackson, where it is, right. you have to sell them a little bit on the opportunity. Like, Hey, you know, this is, this is what we're thinking. This is how you fit into that. Like there's always going to be that, but you really have to sell that to somebody who has championships. It's the same thing with Mitch Kupchak. I'm sure. Like they had to say, look, this is, this is the opportunity that you have. I mean, he's been doing this for, you know, several decades now. So he, there would have been, I think, other opportunities for Cupjack across the league. So you do have to sell him to a certain extent. But I think for for some of these other uh, for some of these other coaches, uh, I think it's a bit different. So uh, let's go back out to Twitter. Matt saying Clifford will not be unemployed for long. He is well respected. Who we hire as our coach should tell us everything that we need to know about the direction of this team. Ask for our next coach, and then it's a gif of my man David Fisdale dropping the take that for data. I'd love to have that kind of passion in Charlotte, oh by the God. way. Had yeah, a little trouble nice. the, had a little trouble connecting with some of the players there in, in Memphis, so that's obviously a concern. But uh, you know, that's a that's a passion that I think would be fun to see here in Charlotte. Uh, Carson saying has to signal a rebuild, right? Kemba's most likely next to go. Not necessarily. Again, I, I think I, I don't necessarily think that it it precludes them from keeping Kemba Walker in Charlotte. Certainly, Kimball was a big fan of Steve Clifford, and they they sort of they succeeded and failed together. But Kimball Walker's a professional basketball player. They're all part of this business. I think on some level they all understand the business. I think what will preclude them from keeping Kimball Walker is more do they decide to keep winning or trying to win, or do they start to tear things down and move towards building through the draft? Yep. And uh, I think things are going to be happening fast and furious here, uh, Doug. Another name 
that's floating around there that's going to be talked about for several teams, I think, is Jerry Stackhouse. Now, I think if you're looking for one side of the fan base <laughs> to do a complete meltdown. Wait a minute, uh, wait a minute, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> Did you know? Mm. I don't know if you knew this, but Jerry Stackhouse went and played basketball for the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. You sure? I'm not. And did you also know that Michael Jordan went to the University of North Carolina and played basketball there as well? You know who is good at basketball? Michael Jordan. (laughs) And did you you also know (laughs) that Mitch Kupchak went to and played basketball for the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. What's really crazy is that Mitch Kupchak and Jerry Stackhouse were roommates. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. if I, I just learned that yesterday. They went to school what? Uh, 20, about 25 years apart, but yes, yeah, somehow they worked it out. Uh, they got Take with that for housing. data. It's weird. This was not a way I wanted to spend my fun Friday. I enjoyed, <sighs> I enjoyed the way... Uh, I enjoyed, here's what I enjoyed about Steve Clifford, and we can sort of wrap the show this way about talking about what this era of Steve Clifford basketball has meant to the Hornets organization, meant to us. What I loved about Steve Clifford is what a lot of players loved about him, which was his his honesty, his straightforwardness, his knowledge of the the history of the game, and and his knowledge of of what he believed equated to winning basketball. And he was principled, and he stuck to those principles, and he brought those principles to Charlotte in a time when Charlotte professional basketball really didn't have many principles. It did not have an identity. And we we touched on this in, in earlier in the episode. I'm not so sure that the organization did him many favors in terms of the players that that they brought in to to keep that identity alive in terms of who they drafted and and who they brought in via trade. I will say that the Nick Batum and the Marvin Williams signing, that was very much in the vein of what a Steve Clifford would have wanted, I think. But there were some other decisions that I really questioned, like why, you know what coach you have. You, you know what he demands. And yet you bring in this player. So I think that's kind of ultimately what led us here today. But I think that just like what Rich Cho did for the analytics department and bringing that to Charlotte, I think Clifford in a lot of ways brought some some principles and some identities to Charlotte. I'm not so sure that those will will keep as long as, as Rich Cho's contributions just because the nature of you bring a new coach in and all of a sudden you know you might have some new some new thoughts some new identities but we'll we'll have to see moving forward David your final thoughts on the the Steve Clifford era in Charlotte five years now and and uh, over today yeah I think you hit on a little bit there the Steve Clifford Rich Cho era kind of helped this franchise and town or city excuse me Queen City 
mature, you know, become a full-fledged NBA team and, and city again, because when he came in, it was pretty bleak and, and he brought an identity. You mentioned that he brought, you know, the way to play the game and, and Cho brought in the, the analytics side. So it helped them kind of bake a full-fledged NBA team, I think. Um, so regardless, I, I think he left it in a better place than it was when he got here. This was his first head coaching job in the NBA. Um, a lot of people forget that. And, uh, you know, I think he'll have another one. And he really was one of the more fun, enjoyable coaches that we've had here watching this new version of the Charlotte Hornets. He did a lot for the team. Uh And uh, I'll be interested to watch what he does moving forward. And and like I said, hopefully he gets a few more pieces to play with at his next stop because it'd be really fun to see if he can continue to kind of build on his coaching style. I wouldn't be surprised if another team came by and scooped him up, maybe on Orlando, sort of go back there. But I also would not be surprised if Steve Clifford pulled a Tom Thibodeau and just spent a year and and Tom Thibodeau and him are very close. Tibbs, when he took some time off after he was fired from Chicago, actually spent some time in Charlotte uh, at Hornets training camp with his buddy Steve Clifford. So I wouldn't be surprised if Clifford did the same thing and just kind of took a year off. He obviously had the health issues. He says he's feeling much better now, um, but you know with the health issues that he had earlier in the season, maybe he takes a year and just kind of visits, stays very plugged in to the NBA scene, and then waits for that right opportunity as opposed to the next opportunity. But yeah, uh, nothing but nothing but good feelings here for Steve Clifford and for the Hornets organization. I think it's an exciting time to be a fan of this of this team because it's it's preparing itself for a completely new vision. Now whether that means rebuild or retool, we're going to wait and see and you're going to have to keep subscribing, keep listening, keep downloading. Uh, keep telling your friends about this show as we as we uh, help take you through whatever this era of, of Hornets basketball looks like. Uh, but we're going to wrap this show for now. We'll be back next week with more analysis of this event and what that means for the next few weeks of this offseason. Uh, again, someone take Byron Scott's phone away. That's all I'm asking. Just, just hide it. Just, uh, don't destroy it. Give it back to him in like four weeks. Uh, well, uh, make it five. Better make it five just to be safe. Uh, And uh, we'll be back on Monday. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte.